Deadly Podcast. We review four films directed by women-identified directors who prove that the female of the species is more deadly than the male. <laughs> I'm your co-host, Rachel, and joining me is one of the best people on this planet, the one and only Ariel. Hi. Hey, girl. How are you doing? How have you been? <laughs> I've been okay. I'm tired today, but I've been okay. Yeah. Tell me about the weird thing that happened to you this week. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing too weird, although okay. I was sort of reminded why sometimes watching horror movies late at night by yourself is a bad idea. Oh, no. What happened? Or so... actually, should I say, oh, yay, because <laughs> we are horror addicts who are constantly chasing that horror high. Yes, no, that's definitely true. So I live in a big apartment complex. It has 10 buildings and it's all on a loop. And so there's a big sprawling parking lot. Okay. And there are no streetlights in my neighborhood. So Yikes, creepy. Yes. (laughs) So there are big lights on the outsides of all the buildings and underneath all the covered parking lots and then huge floodlights like up on Mm -hmm. poles. And so the parking lot and the sidewalk that sort of sounds dystopian a little bit. (laughs) It's always daylight. You can go out at 2 a.m. and it's daylight out there. That makes me feel a little bit better since you're a late night walker. I always worry about you. I know. I know. (laughs) But they had an electrical problem. So for the last couple of weeks, every single light on the outside of the complex has been out. So it's just no. Have you been out there walking in the first block? No, of course not. I've been forcing myself to go earlier because normally I take the dog on two walks and one of those is after dinner. And so it gets dark. But no, I've been good about. Okay, good. Can you not get murdered? Kay thinks. (laughs) I feel like these are really low expectations I'm putting on this friendship. Not get murdered. I feel like you should. I'll yeah, can you bed. meet my my requirements, please? Kay, thanks. <laughs> but I had a package delivered, and I didn't realize until after late. And if you don't go and get it, they won't deliver your mail the next day because they're super picky oh, here. So Jeez. I had to go walk through the complex in order to get up there. And it's just so creepy because there are no lights anywhere. And I was out there with a flashlight trying to get around. And on my way back, I just kept, you know, looking over my shoulder and thinking there's got to be somebody out there. I was thinking about Lucky. Yeah. Uh, it creeped me out. It creeped me out. I, more I've been watching been Saw this week. So I'm like, no, <laughs> that's how Jigsaw and Pig Lady get you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was fine. Obviously, I'm here. Yeah. But it just, yeah. Sometimes Did they fix the light? Yes, they did. Okay. All right. I was about to write a very sternly worded letter to your super. <laughs> You're like, you don't know me because I live in another state, but I'm very upset with this situation. And I demand to speak to your manager. Yeah, I would love that. My super's a dick. So write all the hate mail you want. Okay. That's, I mean, that's good. We'll start a hate mail campaign as soon as you move out. <laughs> awesome. Well, that sounds... I'm glad you're okay. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> so do we have any housekeeping or corrections yet on this episode? I don't think so. Do yeah, we? I don't think so. No, I think right, we're cool. good. That's because we get it all right 100% every time. Of course. <laughs> duh. <laughs> awesome. All right. So on this episode, we are going to be reviewing the film Blood Moon, directed by Emma Tammy. Before we get into that, though, Ariel, can you please do me a favor and remind our listeners or let any new listeners know what our spoiler... our new spoiler a new forever more spoiler policy is (laughs) yeah sure so we are going to do a little mini review and let you guys know whether this is a movie that's worth checking out and then once we've done that we're going to dive into spoiler territory we'll let you guys know when that comes up and then everything's fair game we're going to talk about the endings any twists that happen so yeah you're forewarned yeah so if you haven't seen it listen to the mini review and then come back and listen to our final thoughts or right. if you don't care about spoilers we will spoil it all eventually but not right off the bat so don't worry okay cool so would you like me to tell you a little bit about our featured director this yes, time please okay awesome emma tammy is a filmmaker from new york city she grew up with two parents who were actually actors and who introduced her to a passion for all things film, theater, all that kind of stuff as a child. So strangely, it was kind of always a foregone conclusion for her. She says 
that she would be making films or something in the arts her entire life. Wow. Yes. So in school, she studied sociology, which led her to documentary filmmaking initially. Uh, And it was about that time that she also interned for Robert Altman, who, of course, is a famous filmmaker and was a huge influence on her as a kid. In fact, she said that she actually had a copy of Popeye on VHS that she wore out, which is a (laughs) real twist. (laughs) Yeah, I did not see that coming. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. After graduating from Wesleyan University, she co-directed her first feature-length documentary, Fair Chase, about long-distance runners in 2014. She also co-directed the TV movie documentary, Election Day, Lens Across America, about the 2016 election, oh. uh, which, yeah, which would mark her first Bloomhouse production. What? Yeah, apparently it was uh, Blue House. I mean, and I mean, huh. technically it's not horror, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that they produced documentaries, though. Interesting. I didn't either, but yeah. So I mean, I think there's a Venn diagram there. Sure, that sure. it's kind of fitting. So in 2018, she made her solo her solo directorial debut with a very different kind of film, a Western horror movie called The Wind, which you have seen, and I have yes. not because I'm very bad at my job <laughs> <laughs> i need to see it though i'm actually really curious to see it because you know in my research i read more about it, it sounds really interesting yeah we should cover it sometime definitely. we definitely will we definitely will i mean the problem is is there are just so many new ones I know. it's hard to it's have not- time to <laughs> yes. hit the backlog but there'll be a lull i'm sure there'll be a lull so the experience of directing this film was actually very life-changing for emma in an interview with the Toronto in Film Festival, TIFF, TIFF, I don't know, what is the appropriate, is it called TIFF? I think so, Spells yeah. TIFF. All right, yeah. whatever. She said, and this is a quote, I pulled this quote for you because you're always pulling quotes and showing me up and making me look bad. <laughs> That's the kidding. goal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the truth comes out. It took, uh, scroll up, scroll up. 28 episodes but the truth (laughs) finally came out (laughs) jk all right so yeah so she said this is a life-changing experience so this is the quote from that article i don't know if there was a singular moment where i said this is absolutely what i want to do because i've always been passionate about filmmaking for such a long time from such a young age but i will say that the first time i was working on set for the wind my first fiction i thought this is what i want to do forever it wasn't the same way with documentary. That always felt like an ongoing process. Wow. So the oh, that's horror cool that director was born. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I love that. Right. And it's one of the reasons, amongst some others, that I'm really excited to eventually check out The Wind. So we will definitely be looping back to that in the future. Yeah. All right. And unsurprisingly, she has kind of stuck with the genre since directing a, another episode of Into the Dark called Delivered, which was about Mother's Day. And it was a misery meets Rosemary's baby story. It sure was. That celebrated Mother's Day. <laughs> now, you've seen that too. So you are like an Emma Tammy scholar out of the two of us. Yeah. So I actually had no idea until you told me that she had directed all of these movies. Right. You just had randomly seen them all. Yeah. You, can you can you feel like a through line with these three movies, having seen them all? I would say maybe with Blood Moon and The Wind, tonally, I can see mm-hmm. some overlap. Delivered is fun and kind of bonkers. It's very different than the other two. Okay. Well, I'm sure we'll get back to that one yeah. at some point, too. Yeah, that would be a fun <laughs> one to talk about. <laughs> so, obviously, her latest is Blood Moon, and... Again, it's for the Into the Dark series from Hulu, and it celebrates Spring Full Moon, which I would not have guessed was a holiday, but apparently it is. Oh, okay. Cool. Because <laughs> we always play the game when we watch it, like, okay, what, which, which, right. uh, you know, and I was, so I looked it up and I was quizzing my partner, we were watching it together, and I, and I was, you know, going to make him guess. And uh, <laughs> I saw it and I was like, you ain't going to guess. This. <laughs> no. <laughs> So, okay, up next, Tammy is working on another horror project, something called Devil in Ohio for Netflix. Ooh, okay. Yes, it's based on a book of the same name, and it's about a 15-year-old girl whose parents take in another strange girl who may have escaped some sort of supernatural-sounding cult and may or may not be the victim she appears to be. That sounds amazing. <laughs> sounds pretty good. There's, yeah, some, I mean, I read the synopsis. Cult. 
Mm -hmm. That sounds great. Yeah, I'm kind of tempted to grab the book, but I also am like, well, maybe I'll just wait for the Netflix because I think it's going to be like a TV mini series kind of. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, it's also so awesome that she's staying within the horror genre. I'm telling you, she had the horror awakening. Yeah, yeah, it's great. (laughs) In addition to that, she's also currently developing another feature based on a thriller along with Teresa Sutherland, who wrote The Wind. Ooh, okay. Yeah, apparently. I love a good thriller. They have stayed in contact. When Emma was directing Delivered, she spoke with Teresa a lot, who had recently had a baby, to kind of work through some sort of the, some of the themes and some of the ideas. And the same was somewhat true with this one, where she talked to her friend. She doesn't have children, but her obviously Teresa recently did. So, you know, they were talking about that maternal instinct. and Gotcha. Oh, that's smart. That there are no boundaries when it comes to what you would do. For the yeah. safety of your child, kind of sure. like all rules are broken. So <laughs> I guess they're frequent collaborators, which is also really cool. So no release date currently available for either of those at the moment. So we'll okay. just focus on Blood Moon for now, which would you like to know a little bit about that now? Yeah. Like all right. <laughs> Let me just go straight <laughs> on in. Okay. So as I mentioned, this was Emma's second project for the Into the Dark series. And she had been wanting to do another project with them and they were eager to get back up and running because obviously everything was shut down from the pandemic and this is technically the finale from season two although oh okay oh because of the gap they had to have exactly gotcha yeah yeah so initially they were kind of in casual talks about it before finally getting serious and everyone including herself was super excited to finally be back on set and in production Although they had to do it safely, which is why the cast is very small. Okay. And it's kind of, yes. you know, it mm-hmm. works thematically in terms of isolation and things like that. But you'll note that there's just not a lot of people on screen at any, any time. And <laughs> that had to do with regulations and making sure that it was a safe production. Oh, that I makes think. so much more sense. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. That's why they allude to like, this place gets crazy on a Friday, but you're never going <laughs> to see that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but so one of the sort of effects of having this delayed and talking about this for such a long time is she ended up spending a lot of time with the script and with the characters and really getting in their heads and kind of living with them and they and understanding who they were so that was kind of from a creative standpoint kind of a positive thing for her so the film itself was shot in 18 days on location uh, near los angeles in a town called peru california Never heard of it. <laughs> well, it is a small historic town in Ventura County. So now you know. Oh. <laughs> if you don't know, now you know. <laughs> I grew up in California, but never heard of it. Yeah, I totally Googled it because I was like, I wonder if that's like up in the high desert. And I think it is. So she said scouting locations for the film was really weird. Between the pandemic and it being wildfire season in California, oh, shit, it was quite an event. <laughs> oh, no. In an interview with Shakya, which is a website, sounds a good name. I like it. Shakya. Yeah. Emma said, I felt as though the world was ending while we were trying to make a movie. Besides <laughs> oh, the bizarre context, it was re- it was a really great location, Scout. We ultimately landed on these really great locations. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds I a mean, little harrowing. <laughs> as someone who lives the California wildfire season, that had not even occurred to me. But let me tell you pandemic plus apocalyptic Oof. fires we felt like the end of the world last summer yeah it really did bad news it got pretty bad up here last year for the first mm-hmm. time since i've been in oregon and mm-hmm. oof, yeah yeah there were <laughs> days where it looked like mars outside and, right. I, and it crazy. sounds like an exaggeration no not at but all. i mean really truly it looked like mars outside it was like i was inside a pumpkin was so orange and everything was covered in ash yep it's bizarre it was was not great my friends and it was not great yeah yes so i'm trying to imagine what that must have been like just kind of going out into the high desert i'm guessing they're like kind of above all the smoke because i mean there's what is what is there to burn in the high desert right (laughs) yeah like just to look around you and to see because i remember when the wildfire started this year we had gone to the beach <laughs> and you have to cross the this bridge and going towards the water. It was beautiful and clear. But as we drove back, 
in every direction there were pillars of smoke where the fires were starting oh that's so scary it was it was it was really creepy and and the air quality totally you could feel it in your lungs and you could see it in the air the air quality changing as we were crossing the bridge i was like turn around you turn on the bridge you turn on the bridge i don't want to go back (laughs) yeah that was ocean now Yeah, I mean, because we had a really awesome electrical storm, and I was like, God, we can't even enjoy electrical storms anymore. Oh. But yeah. that's okay. It's all right. We're thinking positive thoughts here. <laughs> moving on, moving on. <laughs> so, yeah, because of the short shooting schedule, like I said, it was all done in 18 days. Emma felt a lot of pressure to get as much out of each day as she possibly could and out of each and every setup. Despite that, though, she really tried to give her actors as many opportunities for takes as possible. She would even roll during rehearsal sometimes in order to just capture all of their performances and give them as much opportunity to give their best performance as possible. That's really cool. I think it shows. We're going to probably have some criticisms about this movie, but I don't think that they lie in the performances that given by these actors. No, not at all. Not at all. Anyway, so like I said, she wanted to give the actors plenty of time to really get comfortable living in the shoes of those characters. So... Since this is a werewolf movie, of course, one of the things you're always going to wonder about is the design of the creature, as well as the transformation scene. And this is a little bit of a spoiler, but in this film, I, I'm just, I, I need to kind of talk about it from like a production point of view. So I'm not going to tell you what anything looks like or anything like that. Just that her tactic, because they did not want to go the CGI route, because in order to have something that is the CGI is such high quality that looks practical would have completely blown out the budget. Sure. So instead of having those things, she really leaned on sound design to kind of take the place of what would normally be on screen and really let you as the audience and your ears and your imaginations do a lot of that work. And She talked about one of the ways that when she's crafting films is that to make sure that each of the elements are working, she will watch it with on mute to make sure that 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 part of the performance is is creating the sense of dread or fear that she's trying to create. And then she'll also turn off the visual and just listen to the audio so that she can make sure that each element in the scene works individually and then puts them together. That's really smart. Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. Especially with a movie like this where sound really is kind of where you're finding a lot of your more visceral things in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. So that's basically all I have for production, except awesome. for that Blood Moon is available on Hulu right now. If you want to check it out, it's season two finale of Into the Dark on Hulu. Don't search Into the Dark like I did and be like, where the hell is it? You have to actually search for Blood Moon. That's a pro tip <laughs> okay. from me to you. Good to know. <laughs> Listen, I'm all about informing people here, okay? (laughs) They come here for information, (laughs) and I am providing it. (laughs) All right, cool. So, before, I guess, before we get into any spoilers, let's talk a little bit about how we felt about this movie in a non-spoiler way. So, Ariel, why don't you go first and tell me what you thought of Blood Moon? Okay, yeah. So, I thought this movie was pretty good. I didn't absolutely love it. But I did have an enjoyable time watching it. Okay. So I think, like you were saying, the acting is super solid in this. I think across the board, it works. And especially the actor that plays Esme, the main character, was Mm -hmm. really good. Um, You don't want to attempt that aim? You don't want to say it? Oh, I don't have it (laughs) written down. (laughs) (laughs) It's Megalyn Achika... Hold on. I got it. Hold on. Megalyn Achikawake. Oh, nice. Okay, thank you. I'm sorry, I didn't have the IMDb in front of me, so I was just sort of <laughs> It's okay, I have it spelled phonetically in front of me. <laughs> I just wanted to be an ass, like an ass and rub it in a little bit. <laughs> uh, yeah, see, after after the truth came out, how you like to embarrass me, I needed to get my revenge. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I see how it is. <laughs> revenge is best served phonetically. Everyone knows that. <laughs> all right so yeah so i really liked all of the acting i thought she was pretty fantastic in it there are a lot of emotional scenes that she carries on her shoulders and i think she did that really well i think that the movie has a really fun beginning 
the opening scene I thought was really cool and we can get Mm -hmm. into the details of that when we get into spoiler territory and I also thought that there's a bit of the movie towards the end say maybe the last 20 minutes that's actually pretty fun it gets pretty slow in the middle but I really did like the end of the movie and I think overall it's an enjoyable way to spend an afternoon it just wasn't exactly my cup of tea just because it's much more of a quiet drama about a mom and her kid than it is a horror movie. That's fair. That's fair. I think I enjoyed this one a little bit more than you did. Okay. I think it's beautifully acted, particularly by Megalyn Achikawa. No, hold on. Shit. <laughs> Stop laughing. <laughs> Megalyn Achikawake? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> if you could clean that up and post sure, sure, sure. <laughs> or maybe not whatever <laughs> okay so i thought she really killed it and as a result this movie packs much more of an emotional punch than it would have had she not been so convincing yeah people. absolutely she true. really carries this thing and it is very dependent on both her and her relationship with her son whether or not this movie is going to work and i think she definitely did a great job in this they both did And I think it is kind of a fresh take on the werewolf genre in that it really focuses less on the werewolf than it does on the emotional costs and personal sacrifice of being a werewolf's caretaker. Did not expect that to be the plot, but here we are. And I think that that's (laughs) kind of interesting and surprising. And it's all kind of done through this lens of maternal sacrifice and the fierce way in which mothers protect their children. And as a result, kind of the horror, quote unquote, of this movie is not necessarily mine from the traditional places where werewolf movies typically do. You know, you have an idea of what a werewolf movie is going to be, what you can expect from it. And this really kind of does not go there. Instead, it's, it's all mine from things that are very grounded in reality. Like true isolation. Yeah. The the scariest scene in this movie, in my opinion, there's not a werewolf to be seen. Mm, okay. Yeah. But I do think that it helps to be in the right headset with this. For instance, I wonder if you would have liked it more if I had seen it and been like, hey, don't expect such and such going into this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think that, that it's possible that that would have helped things. Yeah. And I mean, like I said, I still had a good time watching mm-hmm. this movie. It just wasn't fantastic. That's fair. I do think, though, having a certain set of expectations or uh, not having a certain set of expectations, rather, can improve the movie experience because it's this it's it's a character piece. And there's some suspense and some dread and there are some genuinely disturbing things that happen in this movie. It's just not really a monster movie, even though there is kind of a monster in it. Yeah. If that makes any sense. And I think you really, as an audience run the risk of setting yourself up for disappointment. If you're expecting something a little more of the usual formula. So yeah, I think this movie is pretty easy to recommend to anyone who really likes slow burn, who really likes character pieces that have thematic weight that are not really gory or not necessarily monster movies. You have to be willing to watch a very non-traditional werewolf movie to enjoy this, I think. But I, I don't know. I liked it. I, but I feel like it's definitely going to be divisive. <laughs> I think it's a not yeah. for everyone, but is kind of for me kind of movie. Right. Right. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. So choose your adventure audience. Is that it for our non-spoiler reviews? I think so. Yeah, I can get into the synopsis next. All right, Ariel. Yes, synopsize this movie for me, please. <laughs> as I slowly move into this new transition of the next part to give people time to click away. Maybe they're like juggling their phone like, oh, shit, here come the spoilers. <laughs> ah, okay, all right. Pause. I think that's enough time. <laughs> okay. All right. Good. <laughs> all right. So this movie opens with a woman named Esme, covered in blood with scratch marks on her back, holding a shotgun. We then watch her take her baby out of a steel cage, walk past a dead body on the floor, and leave her house with a suitcase. We then cut to many years later, where she and her son Luna are moving to a new town to get away from their past. Esme begins working at a bar in town and buys supplies to build a big cage in her basement. 
we soon come to realize that Luna is a werewolf, and once a month on the full moon, he has to be locked up. Esme struggles to balance allowing her son to be a normal kid and keeping him from hurting people when he transforms. Just when they're getting comfortable in the new town, Esme's boss stops by to ask her out, but she's sleeping, so Luna opens the door. Unfortunately, he smells the rotting meat in the basement that's meant for Luna's transformation and goes to investigate. He is understandably horrified by what he sees in their basement, and Esme is forced to kill him. Before they can go on the run again, though, the cops show up and arrest Esme. She freaks out because it's the full moon, but no one believes her, so at the sheriff's station, Luna transforms and kills everyone except for his mom, who he seems to recognize, and then they sort of ride off in the sunset together. Yep. That's the movie. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Ariel. Tell me what you liked about this movie. Okay, cool. So, again, we can talk about the acting. I do think that it is amazing. I have forgotten again the name of the actor who plays Esme, but but she Megalyn. Let's just call her Megalyn because it's the easier one, but it's yes. Megalyn Ichikawake. So you're so good at this. You're so proud of yourself. Stupid fucking white people. <laughs> we do the <laughs> smallest shit. We're like, we're amazing. I know, I know. <laughs> it's terrible. I pronounced a name that wasn't Smith. Wow. <laughs> I'm ashamed. I'm both proud and ashamed of myself in equal That's measure. That's fair. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> so in particular, there are scenes where she has to be very emotional and raw And I think she does such a fantastic job about that. There is one scene in particular where she leaves her son in his room and goes out into the hallway and she kind of breaks down and she's trying to silence her tears so that he doesn't hear her. And I thought that was a really powerful scene. I thought it felt very natural and like it was really happening. So I appreciated all of that. I think there are a lot of scenes like that where you can see her fear and her anguish over the decisions she's having to make and sort of the mm-hmm. terror when things go wrong. Um, I just thought, yeah, she's really great. Yeah, definitely. Agree. So that opening scene, I also think is so great because, I mean, you have this these amazing shots of her bloody with a shotgun and taking a baby out of a cage. It's all very dramatic but it's filmed so and quietly. mysterious yes because <laughs> we know ariel likes mystery <laughs> <laughs> and it's filmed so sort of quietly and subdued and what i really liked about it is that it tells you sort of everything about this movie without actually saying anything it's a very mm-hmm. good setup to let you sort of know what's happening but it doesn't actually tell you anything out loud i guess is what i meant yeah and i think that Like I was saying, the last 20 minutes of this movie were pretty great. The scene where the boss guy, whose name I'm blanking on. Sam. Sam, yes. (laughs) Who? Sorry, now I'm thinking of the way you were saying slacks. Slacks. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So when he comes to ask her out and Luna lets him in and she's upstairs asleep and he goes out into the basement and is so horrified by what he sees, that scene is great because you can feel her terror at realizing that there is no choice here for her, Mm -hmm. right? That he's already found out the thing that no one can find out. And so the only option is to stop him from running out the door. Right. Yeah, that scene is pretty gut wrenching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is. And she, you know, she hits him over the head. He goes flying down the stairs, you know, breaks his neck, it looks like. And she goes to see kind of if he's okay. And you know that she sort of made the decision that she has to stop him. But at the same time, you can also see the horror on her face when she realizes he's actually dead, you know? Right. Yeah. Because it's not in her character. No. It's just something she does for the love and protection of her child. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and you can see that she's horrified that she had to do it, but also she's scared now because she has to cover this up and get the hell out of there, right? Yeah. So here we go of, again. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, I, I thought that was really great. There's also a scene where Luna gets out while and transforms, and he eats and mutilates a bunch of farm animals. 
Yeah. But she thinks that it's possible he killed a human. So right. she's getting ready to pack them up and get out of Dodge when she realizes over the news that it, he actually only hurt animals. I thought that scene was really great, too, because you can see yeah. the boy is really sad. He doesn't want to leave. He's just about to maybe get to start going to school for the first time. And she doesn't want the stress of having to leave and also, you know, realizing that her son may have actually killed somebody. It's right. a very good the thing that her whole life is geared toward avoiding. Right. May have come to pass. Exactly. Exactly. And we find out later that it's probably come to pass quite a few times before because the sheriff does say at one point that she has a string of bodies attached to her name. So either people she's had to kill to cover it up or people he's killed would be my guess. Oh, you think he's killed people in the past? Or she has. I think she, yeah, I think she yeah. probably has had to. So yeah, I think it's like she knows the stakes of what's happening here and she's had to make some truly horrible decisions in the past. How many people and animals have died to keep her son safe? So I do think that the movie does a good job of showing you how there isn't really a good decision for her and she's right. this fiercely protective mother who's just going to choose her kid every time. Yeah, so I really like that. The other things about the end of the movie that I thought were good were the scene at the sheriff's office. We can get into the fact that you never see a transformation happen, but I do think the scene where she's coming out of the interrogation room and mm -hmm. sort of body parts are and blood is going everywhere. That part's You're, fun. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was really, it was a fun way to do it without actually seeing him do the attacking himself. Right. So yeah, I, I think we agree on a lot of points here. I personally, werewolf movies are not my favorite. Okay. There are, <laughs> there are some exceptions. I think Ginger Snaps is really interesting and there are others, but I think what makes, a werewolf movie interesting to me aside from you know just the the moments where you see the transformation come and most of the time they're kind of underwhelming but it, with the you know dog soldiers is probably an exception to this i really like dog soldiers but whether i not i like a werewolf movie or shapeshifter movie in general has much less to do with the monster itself than it does thematically like what transformation means mm-hmm yeah. What's interesting is in this movie, the transformation has less meaning for Luna, the actual werewolf. I mean, there is some, and we could get into, you know, he's on the cusp of puberty and, or, and not having control over your body or not having autonomy as a child. There's some of that there, but I think this time it's much more about what that transformation means thematically for Esme. And, and I think that's kind of an interesting, cool idea and definitely a twist on the genre that freshens it for me in a way. And what it kind of comes down to is this idea, not only of a protective mother, but maternal sacrifice. You know, we find out that her, her life before this, she was, you know, a lawyer or in some way successful. And she has given up everything, including a promising career for motherhood, which you know, that's a real thing. People make yep. that choice, you know, and this is obviously an extreme version of that. But I think if we're working on a thematic level, having to be the caretaker and be the person who is basically signed up for this for life to take care, or at least until this person's old enough to do it themselves and be trusted to do it themselves, this is her life now. And it's also, you know, single motherhood that she has to do it all. She has to be mom, but she also has to put food on the table. She also, she has to be the caregiver and the nurturer, but also has to be the hunter gatherer. Literally she's putting food on the know. table or in this case, I guess, technically the floor. So <laughs> there, there's kind of the story about what it means, what it really means to be a single mother, what it really means to be a mother in a way that I thought was really interesting and unexpected and made me kind of enjoy this. I also like this juxtaposition between natural viciousness in the form of the protective mother bear versus unnatural viciousness in the form of this werewolf, which we later see is actually like the form is actually quite natural. So kind of like a cub. I don't know. I don't really totally know what's there with that, but like, I feel like there's beginnings of some interesting ideas there that probably I could tinfoil hat into more if I had some more time. 
But as much as there is ferocity in this relationship and probably a little bit of resentment, there's also this really beautiful tenderness in their relationship. You know, I think about how Esme deals with the transformation because we're not showing the transformation. Instead, it focuses on her experience when Luna is transforming. Right. And we see her singing to him or reading a book to him and being very tender until that moment where she's like, is that still you? Are you still you? Oh, okay. Well, you know, I, I guess I'll go to bed then. And you see what that that life is for her. I don't know. that it, it kind of reinforces this idea of everything she's given up and that her life basically is this child and protecting this child and taking care of this child, but also loving this child, which I thought was really well communicated in that scene. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And Esme herself is a super awesome character. I'm sorry, but that scene of her arc welding in the basement was badass. <laughs> I guess it was like oxy welding, whatever. It doesn't matter. But the point was, is it was really cool. I liked how tough she was. I liked how resilient she was. I liked how vulnerable she was. And I just think she is a very well-realized character. You know, we'll get into some cons about pacing and things like that. But Esme herself as a character, I think you can't really say anything negative about her. I also think that it's interesting that Emma's first movie was a Western all about isolation. And here we are. In this setting, it kind of, you could almost see with the way that Esme's character is and the setting, it does in some ways feel a little bit like a modern Western or at least a modern frontier film because she's very alone. Everyone is hostile or a threat to her, even if they don't know it or not, you know? Yeah. Some of them are a, a threat because they're genuinely a threat. And some of them are a threat because she has a secret. But the point is she has no allies and she's very much kind of trying to survive in this hostile setting, in this isolated setting. It kind of makes sense. It, or I don't know if it makes sense, but it's an interesting thing. <laughs> I don't know. Just an interesting coincidence, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. But yeah, I don't know. I, I really love the setting. I thought it reinforces the themes really well of isolation and survivalism and the emotional isolation that they're feeling because that's the other thing that's going on is Luna is also really struggling with the fact that he's very isolated. And so I think the setting does a good job of reinforcing that. Okay, let's talk about the scariest scene in this movie. What do you think is the scariest scene in this movie? For you? Or in um, general, what's the scariest scene in this movie? Oh, I would say either the scene where she has to kill the guy or the one where she's in the back of the cop car. Incorrect. Or, well, sort of. Incorrect. <laughs> the scariest scene for me is when she gets pulled over after killing the cow. Oh, yeah. I had and the cops about that scene. pull her right. out of the car. Yes. And yes, there's this whole right. scene where that cop is really mad at oh, her. Oh, he's searching her? Yeah. Yes. he's yeah. She's turned him down and you really see how vulnerable she is. Yep. And he's making a point of making her feel vulnerable. And, you know, typically in a werewolf movie, there's some level of you're like, well, he better be careful because that guy's going to wolf out and then we'll see what happens. But Esme is, doesn't have that luck- luxury. Yeah, she doesn't have true. her strength is just really female determination strength. She doesn't have supernatural powers, but she still runs all those risks. Plus the emotional risk of her child, you know, is the one that's that's in danger. And so I thought that fear, which is very reality based, was the most effective in the entire movie. And I thought it was very effective. So that scene was legitimately scary to me. Yeah. And it goes back to this idea that so much of the fear of this movie has nothing to do with supernatural stuff. It's very true. Fully female experience or life experience, person of color experience. That is where the fear is derived from in this movie. Uh, And I think that's interesting and kind of cool. I don't know that this is a, you could call this a straight up horror movie, but I do think it has some scary parts. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, those are my positives. All right, let's do it, Ariel. If you want to tell, lay it on me. <laughs> what, what, did, what about the movie didn't work for you? <laughs> okay, so one thing is, I do think this movie drags in the middle. Mm-hmm. I think that the beginning is interesting and so is the end, but I, I think there's parts in the middle that it drags on too long and it's less interesting and fun to watch i think there's a little bit of a pacing problem there fair i also i mean i said this earlier but i don't really think this works as a horror movie i know that the the scene you're talking about with the cops there's some tension there and you're sort of on the edge of your seat worried about esme Mm -hmm. but other than that i don't think there was a ton of tension in this movie i think that other than that scene and some of the bits at the very end 
I didn't feel a lot of fear for Esme and Luna that they were really in peril. And then the people that were sort of in peril, maybe because Luna would get out, you didn't know or care about. So that didn't really matter. Mm-hmm. And I just think there aren't really any scares. It's light on werewolf content, extremely light on werewolf content. And I think there could have been more tension built up throughout the movie to kind of make up for some of that stuff. So for me, it's interesting as a drama. I think that, like you were saying, all of the stuff around Esme and Luna having to survive, the choices she has to make with a mother, all of that is interesting, but none of it was so great that I think this is a movie I would recommend to everybody. I think it's fine. (laughs) I think it's good, but it's not great. I guess is what I'm trying to say without being a jackass. You're not a jackass. (laughs) Um, So I think the other problem is that we get to know Esme pretty well. I mean, we don't know a ton about her backstory or anything, but I think we do get a really good sense of who she is as a person and why she's making the choices that she makes. But there's Mm -hmm. no other character development in this movie at all. We don't Mm -hmm. even really know Luna very well. I mean, he's a kid who's kind of struggling with being alone a lot, but that's about all we get out of him. So anyways, like I said, I think this is a good movie. It just didn't work on all levels for me. And I think that you're right that maybe part of the problem was that I was expecting more of a horror movie. I think this one is more of a drama and I I didn't see that coming. So Mm -hmm. maybe if I had known that going in, I would have liked it even more. But for me, I think her other two movies worked better for me. All right. That's totally fair. I don't think you were mean. I think, you know, <laughs> this is a podcast where we give our opinions. You're not just trashing it for the joy of trashing it. You said things work for you. Some things didn't. That's totally valid. Like I said, I, well, I think I liked it a little bit more than you. I do have some some cons. Okay. I think I agree with you that the pace of this does test your patience a little bit. You have to be willing to kind of just go along with it. If you are distracted at all, this is not the movie to throw on in the background. And, no. you know, it, it's not the one. So just know that that's the case. The pace of this is very slow and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with it being slow, but it is slow. And I think if you are waiting for that transformation scene or that reveal at the end, it can be a little anticlimactic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the I mean... wolf is very pretty and I enjoyed it and I would like to pet it very, very much. Oh, absolutely. But it looks like a happy, well-groomed wolf that somebody splattered a bit of red paint on. Yeah. And a lot of times that's the money shot. Everybody's there post, you know, American Werewolf in London. Everybody wants that transformation scene. Everybody wants that scary monster. That's not what this movie is about. Like I said, it takes the list of things that you expect in a werewolf movie and is like, nah, dog. Pun. That's a pun. (laughs) Throws it out the window. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that some people are going to be disappointed by that. In lieu of it, it offers you an emotional beat which if it resonates for you is very satisfying. If it doesn't, that might be a problem. So I think some people are inevitably going to come away from this disappointed. I think some people will be okay with it. Some people are going to be like, what the hell? Just depending on what they're expecting. And yeah, I I definitely think that's true because you, you don't get the transformation ever. You don't really get to see the wolf attacking anybody. And the very end, when you finally do get to see the wolf, it's a little sappy. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I want to pet the wolf, so I was fine with seeing the wolf. But <laughs> but that's a me being obsessed with animals thing, so don't take that with, with a grain of salt. So yeah, the other thing is I really wish we had gotten a little bit more with the father so we could have gotten some more lore. That would have been great. Yes. Yeah. I was curious. Okay, so it's a wolf. It's not right. like a werewolf. He didn't get bit. Maybe he's born. I mean, obviously he was born with it. It's genetic. I want to know more. Tell me more. I like lore. Give it to me. So that would have been cool. And I do wish we had gotten some more like you said, character development with some of the other characters. For instance, Sam. I could never decide, is he a creep or not? I can't yes, tell. I'm exactly. told he's not a creep and he doesn't necessarily do anything creepy. But, but he, he has a little bit of creepy vibes. Yeah, there's yeah. some creepy energy. So I could never quite get a handle on how we were supposed to feel about them. And I think it's because we didn't get a lot of scenes yes. with him. In addition to wanting to know more about Sam so I could care more about how that resolved, I also just kind of wish we could have seen some moment, more moments with Esme interacting with other people and being something other than someone who's just kind of hanging on by their fingernails, you know, yeah. being the survivor. And she does a great job of that. But I, I would have liked to have seen there are little moments where she has little interactions with 
I can't think of the character's name, but the guy who runs the hardware store. And there's a moment in Sam's office where she asks for more time and they almost seem maybe a little flirty. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But I wish I could have seen a little more of that side of her. And because I think seeing more sides of her would have only served to really drive home the more tragic parts of this story. So that when Sam that, that goes down with Sam, you see what kind of life is being uprooted. It doesn't really feel like they have a full, she has a full life there. So it isn't quite as hard to see them leave. They haven't put any roots down because we haven't seen any emotional connections with them. I wonder if that would have been different if this had been made not during COVID. That could very well be. And that's why I'm I'm not going to totally dump on this movie for not having a ton of character interactions because we don't know what those restrictions really look like. But I will say, I mean, just it would have served the film yes. if we could have seen the softer side of Esme a little bit more. Right. And her outside of her role as a mom. Yeah. Esme, the woman, not just the mom. Exactly. And I realize that like kind of she has morphed into just Esme, the mom, and maybe that's thematically intentional, mm-hmm. you know, that there really, maybe there isn't more to her right now because not that it, she doesn't have that within her as a person, but that she doesn't have the bandwidth to be anything other yeah, than her soul mom survival. Is the kid. Yeah. But it also doesn't make it feel sad when she has to leave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, a little column A, a little bit of column B. So yeah, those are my cons. But overall, I would feel comfortable recommending this to people with a little bit of preamble of like, it's not really what you think it's going to be. So have a little patience and don't expect a big transformation and ha- go for it. How about you? Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's what I would say too. I think this movie is enjoyable for the most part, and it's probably worth your time if you're willing to go along for the ride of a more emotional journey and not a typical scary werewolf movie. Yeah. I will say Emma Tammy's interest in the interiority of women makes her a director that I'm very excited about and is a big part of why I'm also really looking forward to seeing The Wind. Definitely, because that's all about the psyche of this woman who's on her own. Yes, ma'am. I'm about it. I'm about it. All right, cool. So this is the point in the show where we would normally have listener mail. And guess what? We have listener mail. (laughs) Nice. That was a twisty twist, right? You were really on a roller coaster with that one. (laughs) You had me going. All right. Good, good. Mission accomplished. All right. So this one comes from Sarita. Now, Sarita is apparently a friend of yours. She is. She told me yes. all your embarrassing stories. Oh, girl. <laughs> she would know, and we have known each other since we were babies. Oh, really? So, yes, we went to pre-preschool together. Well, then why were you keeping your podcast a secret from her? That's what I want to know. What's that about? So... I'm sure she may mention this, but Sarita is one of the friends I grew up with who hates horror movies. She does indeed say that. (laughs) (laughs) When we were kids, somebody played the witches at a birthday party and she went and hung out with the parents instead of watching. Oh, no, Sarita. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, this should be fun then. Okay. So Sarita says, hello, I am an old friend of Ariel's who recently found out about the podcast. I've had a great time listening through your backlog. My relationship to horror movies is sort of like Allison from Ruined. I don't watch them. (laughs) But I like hearing all the spoilery details. (laughs) I understand. That's kind of how I am about really extreme gore horror. I want to know all the twists and turns, Uh but I don't want to see it. You want to watch it yourself. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know how I'm already three movies deep into the Sawverse, but that's okay. (laughs) However, after a lifetime's journey of being the kid who ran from the room... If someone tried to read a ghost story and got traumatized by previews, I think I'm ready to try a lightweight starter kind of movie. I'm so excited. Do you have any recommendations? I like haunted house stories and I have a lowish tolerance for gore and body horror. My upper limit is like Pan's Labyrinth, which to be fair is actually not that low, Sarita. That thing where the mouth cutting thing is nightmare fuel so yeah give yourself a little bit of credit or supernatural the show narrative meanness nihilism and wrenching gritty emotional stuff okay so no ari aster for you uh also gets to me (laughs) more than i like we'll we'll build up towards hereditary (laughs) but i can enjoy spookiness so what do you think thanks for many hours of good listening keep it up oh that was so nice she also has a little postscript for us 
Okay. This came up in passing a million years ago, but I'm a folklore nerd and I can't help myself. Is this does this feel in character for the Sarita, you know, to be like, I can't yes. let this go by? She's a brilliant writer and she's super creative. So yeah. Okay. <laughs> so she says, Bluebeard is a fairy tale. It's about a young woman who marries a rich, charming stranger in spite of his weird facial hair. <laughs> Oh, okay. Then pulls the classic, you may go anywhere in the house except this one room on her. So, of course, she does the thing. And for once, it's a good call. The forbidden room turns out to be full of the corpses of her husband's previous wives. He finds out and he's all set to kill her, too. But she manages to stall long enough to call her brothers to take him out. It's a particularly bloody variation on the don't marry weird strangers cautionary tale. Uh, one no sees in multiple places around the world. All right, Sarita, <laughs> oh, thank so you. So, okay, let's go back to her initial question. Recommendations okay. for horror movies that are kind of light. Do you have any suggestions? I have a little bit of a list, but I gotta think about that. Okay, well, I'll name some of mine. So, Sarita, go get a pen, get a piece of paper, or pull up your phone if you are like you know, a millennial or whatever, and open up the notes app. Because <laughs> I'm going to provide you with some suggestions. Now, Ariel, you can nix any of these because to be fair, my barometer is broken. So I think sure. that these are all very light in terms of horror and violence, but are fun, creepy movies. Okay. So, but like I said, Ariel, I genuinely don't think any of these are too advanced, but I want you to be the veto on this, okay? So the first one I suggested, I'm going to suggest, is a movie called Housebound. Have you seen this? Oh, yes. That is a great idea. It's a little bit spooky, very funny, kind of quirky New Zealand sense of humor horror. It's feel-good horror, I would say. Yeah, definitely. And it just has a little bit of spookiness around the ghost part of it. Right. I don't think it'll keep you up at night. No. It resolves in a way that will make you feel like you can get back into bed and turn off the lights. You'll be fine. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yes, totally. And if she likes that one. Okay. And likes the humor of it, she should watch that one from last year. What was that called? The Will Forte one? Oh, I didn't even put that one on there. Yes, that's a great one. Um, Extraordinary. Yes, Extraordinary. Yes. Cannot recommend Extraordinary highly enough. I don't think there's really any gore in that one. Is there? No, no. And all of the ghost stuff is played mostly for laughs. There's some mucus, but I think you'll be fine. Yes. A lot of mucus. Lots of mucus. A lot of mucus. (laughs) (laughs) But I think, like, of all the bodily fluids, that's probably the least aggressive. Yeah. 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 So, yes, absolutely. Extraordinary belongs at the top of the list. Okay. So this one is PG-13. So I don't think there's a lot of gore in it. But it is pretty creepy and it has a pretty good little story to it. It is a movie called The Uninvited. It's actually based on a Korean film, but it's the American remake and it's way better than it has any right to be. Have you seen is that this? the Nicole Kidman one? No. No, that's that's the others. What's The Uninvited? That's the one about the two sisters and there's a ghost. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, that might work. Sure. Okay, That one's a little creepier, but it's really, really good. Yes. So you had mentioned the others. That one's a little bit more sad, but it is there's no gore in it at all. It's all psychological ghosty horror. Yeah. But that one is a little sad. So I don't know. When you say they really get to you, I don't think it's too it sad. Might want to stay away from it. I don't yeah. think it's that sad, but I'm trying to really err on the side of caution. Yeah. The same is true of Lake Mungo, which I think is genuinely creepy and a little bit sad, <laughs> yeah. but pretty great. It's very divisive. Yeah, that, that's a fun one. That one might creep you out more than the others. It's possible. It might get under your skin a little bit more, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's as scary as a million other horror movies that we watch. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And I don't think there's... I'm trying to think, is there any violence in it? I don't think there's any violence I don't think all. so. It's been years since I've seen that one, but I don't believe so. No, it's all just sort of ghosty stuff. Yeah. So, let's see here. As we're ramping up the scary, I would say the next thing on that list would be Poltergeist. Ooh, yeah. It is technically directed by Toby Hooper, but it is very much a Spielberg movie. It has genuinely creepy moments in it, but there's no extreme gore, and there is a lot of... no body violence, really. No, and there's a lot of hurt in that movie. Like, it's very much about a family, and there's really great family stuff in it. There's a reason it's a classic. 
absolutely excellent. I think if you're someone who's scared of horror movies, you've probably heard of it. And you're like, no, it's too scary for me. You'll be fine. You got this, girl. I believe in you. <laughs> and We believe in you, Sarita. You can do it. Definitely. And then if you want to get into some social horror, Get Out is must watch. Yeah, you know, that's a that's probably a really good one because it's actually not that scary, scary. No, it's you know? tense. It's very tense. And it but... touches on whoo, some really intense social stuff. Yeah, I feel like it's tempered by some of the humor in it. Too, it's Yeah, I know? was thinking about some of the laughs towards the end. You know what I mean? I feel yes. like there, it, it resolves in a place where you, if you're someone who movies really stick with you, you'll be okay. Yeah, don't watch his second movie. That will scare you. The second movie? Jordan Peele's second movie. Oh, 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 us. Yeah, you're not ready for us yet. Yeah. We'll get there. We'll get there, girl. We gotta, we gotta like slowly <laughs> break you down a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> the last couple of things I would say, although these might be too scary is to go into the Wanniverse ghost stories, like The Conjuring. Ooh. To us, that's not scary because we've seen it done a bunch. But I feel like that... Those, the Conjuring is scary. Is it too scary? I feel like. I think that one might be too scary. I would almost recommend Annabelle Creation first. Mm. Or what about what about um, Insidious? Is that too scary? That one's pretty scary. I mean, I remember you being pretty freaked out by that the first time you saw it. That's why I like it so much. Because the other one I was going to say exactly. is The Ring, but I'm wondering <laughs> if that's too scary, too. Hmm. The Ring is scary. It is scary. So I feel good, like she though. might enjoy that one because there's this good mystery and the lore All right, behind Ring. It. It's, it's going really on the list. Yeah. But I feel like that you might need to build up to The Ring. Yeah, you think? And then if she does yeah. okay with The Ring, then The Conjuring? Yeah. Okay. All right. Because I was also going to say 28 Days Later, but that might be too much. I think that's too much. Okay. All right. We'll we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> see, that's why, see, this is why I need you to temper me because I'm already like, okay, and then next you're going to watch Saw. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Although to be honest, Saw is fine. <laughs> it's, the first Saw is not really that gory. It's mostly implied violence. That's true. Not that's by true. round three. But um, she has quite the imagination. So the implied violence might be enough. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so final list, Housebound, Poltergeist, The Uninvited, the others, Lake Mungo, The Ring, Get Out, or maybe The Ring at the end, Get Out. Yeah. And if you're feeling a little brave at the end of this, check out The Conjuring and, and, and Insidious. But watch a couple of those and then let us know how it goes. Yes. Because if we if we went in the wrong direction, we can revise our list. Let's, let's do this. <laughs> watch Housebound. Yeah. And then get back to us, Sarita. Yeah, and then we'll, we'll give you, we'll maybe figure out an order to ramp you up in terms of what's, what scares <laughs> you. Um, feel free yeah. to also send us an audio. Record a little review how you felt about watching Housebound. Yeah, your reaction. We would love to hear that. 100%. No, I'm, so ex- I'm so excited that this is happening too because we've been texting back and forth as she's been listening to the episodes, which has been really fun. Oh, that's fun. And- yeah, no, it's been really cool. And she's been asking questions about the movies. Like she had some questions about 12 hour shift. And so, yeah, it's been fun to be able to talk to her about horror movies because I didn't think that was ever possible. Did she so. watch 12 hour <laughs> shift or is that too gruesome? It's not really. I mean, I don't know. I'm broken. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of blood in it. Yeah, it's more just blood on gloves, isn't it? That's true. Although, no, maybe the part where she's cutting out the bladder is kind of gross. Yeah, if you're not a little bit, us, little bit. like us. <laughs> <laughs> so your soul is still somewhat intact yeah we're not great judges all yeah, the time yeah so let's start with housebound i feel very not. confident about housebound and extraordinary i do too extraordinary those yes. two movies could not be safer but they're great gateway they can give us a little barometer of where you're at and you can let us know what parts of it were like Ugh, and what parts of it were like yay and then we can come up yeah, with a, we can go a game there. plan oh yes awesome this is the most fun game of psychologically breaking someone we're getting to play out that podcast we were listening yes i'm like that's why i'm ready for like a sarita regular you know what is it called when you have like a part of a show segment segment yes i'm waiting for the sarita (laughs) sarita watches scary movies segment (laughs) i'm living for it that would be awesome (laughs) that's such a fun question sarita is that fun for you too to hear your friend is finally Yes. Yeah. I'm so excited. This is probably about something that. you wanted to do forever. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Because I always felt bad when we were kids because I wanted to show everybody horror movies and she'd have to duck out. So oh, this is great. <laughs> I mean, it's probably good that she did because I do for a fact know that I traumatized some of my other friends. Really? So. What would you show them? I showed the birds at a party when I was six years old. Oh. 
and apparently scared the crap out of oh. me. I was like the birds, and then you said six. I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, that's fucked. I don't know why my dad thought that was a good idea. No, he's just a good dad. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's the kind of parent I would totally be. I'd be like, yeah, of course you can watch Friday the Thirteenth. Enjoy. Oh, I know. That seems like a wholesome activity. Yeah, my older brother just had a kid. Well, he had a kid a little over a year ago. Uh-huh. You're like, and... is it too soon to start showing her horror movies? <laughs> No. Well, apparently he kind of likes being scared. Like a noise will scare him and then he'll want somebody to make that noise oh, again. And no. my my wheels are already oh, turning like oh. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's going to be great fun. I know. Cuz you can never quite get your nephew on board with it, but no, I keep trying. One one day. Here's your chance. <laughs> yep, here's my chance. You can okay. show him all the feminist horror. Like <laughs> Hell yeah. You're like, six years old, time to watch Raw. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think I would be disowned by the family. I mean, I guess it depends if he has nightmares or if he's just like, yeah, I love it. I guess that's true. That's true. <laughs> awesome. So, yes, like Sarita, we love hearing from you guys. If you want to get in touch with us, you can always email us at rachel at com, or you can come over to the Facebook page and, and chat with us over there. We'd love to hear from you. And we'll read your email on the show and answer questions. So please do that. That is it for the show. So let's do the plugs. If you like the show, leave us a review on, on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast app you're using to listen to these dulcet tones. If you are looking for something to watch tonight, check out our video on demand calendar. It's on our website, zombiegirls.com. And we have all the streaming and VOD horror movies and horror adjacent movies that are out now or coming soon click through find out where they're playing and check them out if you are a video game nerd like me you can come check out our twitch channel at twitch.tv forward slash zombie girls for we've been playing four board games i've been playing the saw game come watch me die inside it's really fun uh (laughs) if you want to represent your love of the show we now have merch at t public check out t public forward slash zombie dash girls dash podcast and check out all of our merch you get magnets stickers t-shirts you know hats i don't know they got all kinds of stuff at the public and they will slap our logo on it for you so <laughs> enjoy <laughs> i will say i have each of the shirts and they look awesome the more deadly one it it looks real good in person it's so cool you should definitely that's so exciting out. yeah yeah definitely And if you love the show and you want to support us, definitely join our Patreon. We have lots of levels you can join at, lots of cool perks, bonus episodes, extended episodes, all kinds of stuff. For instance, for those people who are sticking around for after, for the after dark section for patrons only, we're going to be talking werewolf lore. Nice. Yeah, it'll be fun. Mostly we just geek out sort of. I don't know. What's the word I'm looking for? If you want a more uncensored there version, there you go. That's a way to put it. <laughs> you should listen to the extended episodes. Join our Patreon and listen. Yes, definitely. All right. So that just leaves us with the most important bit of information. What are we going to be watching on the next for the next episode? All right. So the next episode, we are going to be watching The Power. All right. It is directed by Karina Fate. Ooh. And it is set in 1973. All right, I'm in. <laughs> You're just wanting the 70s costumes, right? I'm hoping that there's... Wait, is it 1970s? For some reason, I said 1870s. No, I'm... I said 1970. Oh, then, hell yes, I'm in. <laughs> I want to see a full, like, Farrah Fawcett hair. I want, I want, yeah. Give me the full flower power. That's 60s, huh? But 70s is definitely Farrah Fawcett hair. Give me the full 70s yes. fantasy. I want a, a, you know, avocado green crocheted dress. <laughs> and really big collars. Yes. Me. Oh, my God. If I see a natural fiber anywhere, I'm calling shenanigans on this movie. <laughs> yeah, I just made a really good joke for the three people who care about this shit in the audience. Woo! <laughs> 
All right. So it's set in 1973 about a young nurse who is forced to work the night shift in a crumbling hospital as striking miners switch off the power across Britain. But inside the walls lurks a terrifying presence that threatens to consume her and everyone around her. My God, is this going to turn out to be a dude in the walls movie? We all know that's that's one of my favorite genres. (laughs) Yes. Dude in the walls. So good because it creeps me out so badly. (laughs) (laughs) yeah awesome okay <laughs> i don't know we'll have to see and where is that available this one is available on shutter and it should already be out nice. so you guys can check it out before we before next episode <laughs> <laughs> let me try that again before the sun moves around the earth <laughs> before it all turns into dust <laughs> all my brain cells have turned to dust oh my god i know me too girlfriend me too so it's on Shutter and it's already come out. So you guys should be able to watch it before you listen to the next episode. Awesome. Looking forward to this one. Very, very cool. Yeah. All right, everybody. On that note, it's time to get out of here. Ariel, take us out. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of the More Deadly Podcast. We hope you liked our review of Blood Moon and are going to join us next week for The Power. And thanks, Sarita, for writing us in. That was super fun. Yeah. We'll see you next time, guys. Bye. Bye, everybody. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and to my co-host and good friend Ariel for always teaching me something new. Production on this episode was done by yours truly and edited by Ariel. Our theme song for the show is More Deadly by DJ Chardonnay.